some of you guys might be surprised at what I'm about to say and say. Who is this lame who says he knows the game? And where did he learn to play? Well, I'd like to tell of how I fell and the trick fate played on me. So gather round and I'll run it down and unravel my pedigree. It was Saturday night and the jungle was bright and the game was stalking its prey. The code was crime on the neon line and the weak were doomed to pay. When crime begun, when daughter fought son, your dad, he lay in jail, as your mom lay awoke, with a heart almost broke, cause the pad was up for sale, where blood was shed for the sake of bread, and drunks rolled for their poke, by the sleight of hand of a Murphy man. All the words that come and spoke Where attics prowl With a tigerish scowl In search of that lethal blow And the wino cringes From the can he binges And finds his grave In the snow Where bells of fire And Cat and Carl Hello, everybody. Welcome to KSD real quick. And Carl, can you think of a better way to describe this movie than what we just played? The whole feeling and what he was describing? Oh, no. Not at all. Of course, you know, that's Iceberg Slim. That's your that's yeah. your guy. And, and that has Slim a lot to do with what we're watching tonight. Yeah. This movie, Deep Cover came from a failure of Bill Duke <coughs> getting good reviews and stuff off of A Rage in Harlem, one of the best of the Coffin and Lover and Grave Digger Jones films. But mm-hmm. after that, he tried to make And when he couldn't, uh, he's seen this script by Hollywood's golden boy of the moment, Michael Tolkien. Did he win the Oscar for it, or did he just win every award but the Oscars? I think it was everything but. Michael Tolkien and his script for uh, the, the player. The player. And it just... It was Perfectly cast and everything. But for some reason, people were not ready for a noir this dark this soon. But he made it anyway. And yeah, and God thank God that he did. And almost no one knew of it. I caught this on a pay-per-view because I thought it was going to be a pretty good hood slash action film. And it just walked up and hit me over the head with a chair. <laughs> oh, yeah. It has a tendency to do that, by the way. 
needless to say, I, I consider this Bill Duke's best film. I, there, there's just no question of it in my mind. Um, and it's surprising. Uh, and we'll get into that. Uh, the one thing I, I was saying to uh, Stephen before the show was that it's, it's the interaction and the reality of the characters. And, and they're, not, they're not, you know, templates. They're, you can really get everybody's point of view, and it's very complicated, and, and uh, you know, who you're rooting for or who you're rooting against, because you kind of understand, even the bad guys. And as in uh, Iceberg said, this is about the seduction of the street. The easy money, the power, the uh, the money, the power, the just everything that the streets can give you quicker than if you busted your button to get it in the real world. Mm-hmm. And with that, this is the second time we've done it, and I didn't do that there because redo is French that we is another word that we co-opted into American, right, Carl? Exactly, but we call it and, redux, not redo. No, that's how you say it in French, redo. No, no, in, in French you do, but in English I always hear it as redux. I know, but we changed it to our word, which is re... Do. Do, yeah. Yeah. We're redoing this because we've grown as humans and we finally have an amazing print thanks to Criterion to watch. Yep, and we do. With that, let's get started as Agent Russell Stevens Jr. unravels his pedigree. Now go to uh, Criterion. And go to their hip-hop films. Well, I don't know why this is in the hip-hop thing section, but you say tomato and I say film noir. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just uh, you could just search deep cover, too. It comes up that way. Yeah. Too. And get it on full, zero, 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 and pause it. That's exactly where I am. I even have my, my uh, uh, closed captions on, and I have my uh, uh, volume down. So yeah. there you go. I'm actually ready. Yeah, me too. And here we go in five, four, three, two, one, go. Ah, the well, Criterion Collection. Criterion logo. Collection. This is a film I never thought would be in the Criterion Collection. It ought to be. And though. here we I mean, go with Michael Cambray's amazing freaking score to it. Yeah. And where did this credit scene come from? Well, Bill Duke was editing the movie and he didn't have a credit sequence. But he was editing uh, this scene with. Uh, Eddie hitting the pipe, and it was in slow motion, so you can see if there's any flaws. And he noticed that that looked like the very center of hell itself. Mm-hmm. 
See right there, that's Eddie. Yep. Lifting the pipe up. Yeah, and he's like, this looks like the center of hell, and he wanted this to be the opening message of the film before they showed the glamorous side of drugs. Because look at that guy's face over there behind him. Yeah. This looks like the devil himself just grinning. And down to the smallest role, i got to say this right now. These are everybody does a great job here. Everybody. And there is Charles a, Martin Smith, otherwise known as a Toad from American Graffiti. Yeah, Michael Columbier. Thank you, and Susan Boyle, Joe Yorgenhoza. They did great in putting this whole score together. Mm-hmm. And it had the score hasn't dated, unlike a few of the hood films where the scores have. Right. But you can say the same about the college hippie films, the uh, Carl's seventies noirs, you know. Mm-hmm. And as he Jasper Sim says, as he found his grave in the snow. Yeah. And why did I bring up Iceberg Slim? Listen He's to old. the first line of this movie. By the way, Pierre David uh, uh, produced a uh, um, uh, video drum, by the way. How gorgeous <laughs> is this, Carl? Oh, my God. My it is Cleveland, though, so it's not that gorgeous. Yeah. My <laughs> father was a junkie. And if you notice, I want you all to notice that all through the film, whenever Fishman does the narration, he does it in the style of Iceberg Slim with that lidding rap and everything goes. Mm-hmm. And this is the great Glenn Turman, one of the best actors in the 70s black exploitation movement, who never really did get the starring roles that he did. But if you've seen him in anything, you know he's going to be good. Well, of course, amazing is Cooley High, but also he's in a, uh, uh adaptation of one of my favorite stories for uh, the 80s Twilight Zone, and that's uh, Paladin of the Lost Hour. And uh, Five on the Black Hand Side. Yep. I was just talking about him, the black film history. <laughs> I love it. It goes from this beautiful scene to this violence all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. There's no... Glamorous violence in this movie. No, not Jesus. See, it looks a lot different with a good print, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Good Lord. You can tell it's plastic flakes, but let's not get into that part. But dying. His grave in the snow. We have one thought. To me. Isn't it funny? I love that it wasn't going to happen to me. 
And here we okay. enter one of the slimiest uh, copters in the history of slimy cop characters. And this line is, as I said before, this is the shit or get line. You either are in or you run out and, or turn this movie off after this scene. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he's already got the semi-shit-eating grin or the tiger face. Look at him. He's got that look like he knows that he's, <laughs> he's better got those than eyes, him. Man. Yeah. And there. He's a snitch He's a snitch See he's already speaking in criminal terms A scumbag for the right side Mm -hmm. You know why he doesn't Yep Can you say Addictive personality That's a great line That's my line yeah, that is your line. Something like, how did you know that? <laughs> oh, because you you played that on me several times. Yeah. Oh, your fault. Yeah. Oh. That's to me than calling him a nigger. Mm-hmm. Remember the only rule, Carl. Mm-hmm. In this game, John. Don't Never blow your cover. Blow your cover. Oh, and already we got the evil music coming in. Oh, yeah. Whenever you hear this music tune in the movie, nothing good is going to happen. I mean, this is already setting up the ball from the beginning. Okay, look, Carl, look, just ignore, look at the way the boy and him look at each other when they meet. Yeah. Not saying a word. Not her. We'll talk about her in a second. See, okay, look. So, yep. They know. Yeah. You know your own kind. Mm-hmm. Kamala Lopez. She's only been in a couple of films, but good Lord, does she... You'll see how good she is in this. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
knock out. Yeah, that's what they tell you. We're going to do some damage, boys. We're going after the big guys. There's the oh, boy. Gregory Sierra. Yeah, Felix Bubba. Oh, I, behind people, look next to the plant. That is, The guy next to the plant on the billboard is Mr. Big, the man behind this all. And you might have to go back and pause it, but this picture was put there as a joke by the crew, and the director decided to leave it in. Look who it is, the man. (laughs) In case you didn't miss it again, it's Bill Duke himself. Yep. See right there, you can see him good. Hey, like that. Yep. We can't go after him. He's too big. He's a friend of ours, you know. I'm going to ask you a question. If he was talking to you like that right then and there, how quick would your ass be headed out the door? Well, I'd be headed out the door. Because you could already tell he's doing this for a different reason. He wants to go up. This is all about promotion for him. Yeah, it's all it's about promotion. About... It's all about power. Mm-hmm. And there's the seductress herself all around. It gets getting worse. Amen. I love how they introduce even supporting characters as just off to the side. Yeah. Before they even do it. And there's the man himself, Clarence Williams III. Originally, Tolkien wanted a typical, uh, what was his name? I said it again. Uh, Lawrence. Um... Yeah, Lawrence Turney, grouchy, old cop, good cop type who's burnt out. Mm-hmm. And speaking of someone who don't have that many scenes but eats up every scene that he's got with Eddie. Oh, man. And Eddie's every so one good of his descriptions is Tolkien's thoughts that he wrote down on people that he met while writing the script for Gleaming the Cube. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's a movie. This guy's a movie junkie. He's already copying Arnold hasta la vista, motherfucker. He's like an Arnie junkie. Yeah. And I love this right here. What are they doing to him? Are they taking him? He's all right. Hell no. They clean out of his pocket. Fuck him. I know, damn. Every bit of violence in this movie. All them jokes are his. What his ad addition to the film, Carl? They weren't in the <laughs> script. He wanted to do something to make his character stand out, you know. And he does, man. And let's oh, let's, and speaking let's... of someone who introduced in the background, there's Jeff Goldblum. 
Yep. As far as Eddie is concerned, we're talking Roger Gwenbeer Smith. He's just phenomenal, and it's all and him. He, and he was a big player in the Wayans brothers. Uh, right. And uh, oh goddamn, the rhythm is strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stay black. black. <laughs> Nigga, stay up at crack. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he just took this little nothing role and made something out of it. This is the real him right here. See, there's the scene from the credits right here. What happened was the white the white man on that TV is they couldn't get the rights to use an actual Nancy Reagan just say no commercial. I tell you one thing. I am so happy when I was doing drugs that it was all natural. I didn't do any of this shit. Thank the Lord. Yeah, the seventies is all about doing weed and watching movies while while doing weed. Yeah, exactly. Or screwing while doing weed. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but then the hard stuff the thing is they found out they can make crack cheap and right. sell in mass quality quantities. And there's uh, Clarence Williams' third partner Who plays a major role in the second third of the movie But like I said He introduces people in glances You glance at them And you don't know if they're going to be Major parts of the movie No I mean look at him right here The way he's pounding at his girl about there you can already tell that this guy's got a, got the got a demon in him. And where his character come from is that uh, when he's doing blaming the cube, he's seen guys like Goldblums just hovering around the scene, always mm-hmm. looking for uh, funding for whatever stupid project they had. Okay, just like David. And speaking of casual, one of the major, major characters in this movie only has one line and narrow is it. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about these two, Carl. Okay, so 
We have Gregory Sierra as Hector Barbosa. Sierra was best known for his role on Chano and as Chano on um, Barney Miller for the first two seasons. And um, he plays a really nice guy, detective, you know, very nice guy, very realistic. And then I see him in this, and it's like, holy shit, where did that come from? And then, of course, there's Sidney Lassick in the red. I love that man. I love him dearly, of course. Um, and you know, there's you know, almost one... everything he's in, pretty much not this one. He's always got a video camera with him. Yeah. Gonna kick your ass. John and uh, David meet. Yo, Gimbal's motherfucker. How did he pick up on it really so quick? He did. Right here is him uh, improvising because he was just supposed to run. After, uh, after David. Yeah, and he just been like, he's like, come on, kill it, kill it, kill it. There's a lot of improv in this movie, and Bill Duke just let him go with it. There's your first old-school film noir angle. In the, isn't that mm-hmm. one of the only film noir angles in the movie? Yep, it is. Look with me. Don't make a fuck with me, me. Oh, she is so great during this scene. She's one of the most heartbreaking characters in this movie. She seriously is. Yeah. Um, Even in the crappy prints that New Line put out on DVD, she's really one of the first times that we could realize that there's no... Pretty deaths in this movie. No. <laughs> what the fuck is a chicken tostada? <laughs> the tostada with chicken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that line was sort of a fuck you, the boys in the hood, where they always could cry. You know, they were always yelling at the crackheaded woman. Mm-hmm. Well, he's so good. That That is so, you know, I worked for Puerto Ricans, man. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I saw it's that so heartbreaking. I mean, it's so sad. Look at him right there. Yeah. 
He she doesn't realize how much she insulted him right there. No, oh, yeah. He has that's the first time he has what I call the look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love it. All right, shit, man, fuck it. I'm ain't on you. I love this. Bump, bump, bump. Oh, the the neon everything. D D D D draft Miller draft. Get the way this is set up. Good lord. Yeah. And by changing this one line here from "Hello, motherfucker," what it changed to? It changes uh, the whole script of. Clarence William the Third's character. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're setting this one up. Yeah, cause listen to what he says when he does it. How you doing, Judas? See, look mm-hmm. right there. From here on, keep a look on Fishburne's face, because when he goes off script and off the rails, you will see a look on Fishburne's face like, uh, and it starts him right here. <laughs> this is beautiful. Okay, he don't know what to do. <laughs> I know Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> Right here. And that is Clarence Williams III's actual wallet and his actual kids. Yep. You're trying to kill baby's head. Aren't you? Number bone. Oh, you like stink on doo doo. He doesn't <laughs> notice people he doesn't say a single curse word in this movie. No, he doesn't. And this is a real book that parent Clarence always carried around with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> God, <my laughs> See, look, you can just tell he's uh, enjoying that. Beautiful. 
<laughs> and the thing is that, that that the way that Pittsburgh reacts is beautiful. Yeah. Real. And here's a scene that asks a question that doesn't get answered. Was he, would he get him off if it came down to it? Mm-hmm. Carl, do you think you'd mm-hmm. let him go burn and go to jail or get him off? The DEA guy. Oh, I I love the way he just looked. Look, look at the light. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has you're going this to, has film noir all over it. Yeah, you're going to see this scene for the first time in this clarity. Mm-hmm. That's how far. Okay. That's a much longer but very funny joke if you know the whole thing, right, Carl? Yep. Can you want to brace yourself here? This morning. Uh, yeah, wait, this is rougher than you remember. His mouth shut. Right here, can't say that, can't I? Oh, Gregory Sierra. One of the scariest fucking villains ever. He got left. The pussy just put the head you. <laughs> Look, there he is. He has the camera. Nope. And this comes out. And all this pays off at the end, him carrying around the camera and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you see how desperate his eyes look and his way he's looking oh, yeah. right there compared to that crappy DVD which we own? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, he's actually sweating. Yeah. Oh man, that's the worst thing. That's the best thing he could have done, and one of the worst things. Yep. You knew that he was going to go out quick, but you're grown to like Eddie. That's just. No, I mean, he, he's a deer in the headlights, and he knows it. That's the kind of look you think about. I mean, I love the way he's talking like he's like, come on, man. Come on, Carl. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
Yeah, go on. I mean, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Of a desperate man. Yeah. That makes you wonder, was it a joke? Because it seemed to me like he was just fucking him with him until he stabbed him. And then... Well, like Carl was warning you, there's no pretty violence in this movie. There's no romantic there. violence to quote the This is not the a John romantic Woo film. Type. It's not. This is a much yeah, bru- but, more brutal film. Yeah, but you know they called all the Japanese HK films that come out in the early 90s romantic violence. Yeah. There's no romance here. This is all real. This is all ugly as shit. And you can see everybody's got their deer in the headlights with this one. Everybody. Remember what he said when that little boy was killed? No. That's what he said when he was killed. Right here is when he, Felix loses all respect for him. Mm -hmm. That's when he realizes that right now, well, right now he he thinks that he ain't got the balls to do this shit. Mm -hmm. It's liberating. Isn't it funny that he's the one who says that to him? Yep. Everything comes back and pays off in the end. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that. That's the kind of scumbag little... Uh, le- little yuppie leeches, as he called them, that hung around uh, the drug dealers looking for mm-hmm. money for their stupid little projects. Like uh, David and his designer drugs. There's a limited market for Parkinson's disease. That's true. Yeah. That's the Republican dream there. Oh, yeah. Well, the proletariat ruling class. Well, you know, that's that's a very, very much a, uh, a subject that's sort of under the, the covers in this film. That, you know, Goldblum is, is of a higher, you know, socioeconomic he he wants to do this and he wants to make the money. He wants to get it off the uh, black market. Black yeah. market people aren't interested in that. Until they realize how much money they can make. 
Exactly. And you can tell right in this scene that he, right now he doesn't like John. He's just mm-hmm. looking for a new Eddie. And here's when shit starts to really go down. This is the first scene you really want to, well, one of the first that you want to punch Charles Martin Smith's character in there. No drugs. Kind of music that you'd hear in a porno film right now. Oh, yeah. Because he's getting seduced. And not by women. But that was good. By the drug culture and by the street culture. The money, the power. Pop was never this easy. Yeah, yeah. He's a natural. He's a stud. <laughs> I love that He's in black But rich people black <laughs> See, he he's considered this like you know he always uses like Schwarzenegger terms and the wild wild west. And this is the first time you get hints that David might be racist. Oh, just straight away. Well, there's no hints about it. Burn is just no bullshit with his line coming up. Like a racist <laughs> thing. Yeah, you're muttering your phone. Oh, wow. My mama can buck wild on you. Sick fuck. Sick fuck. I think that was another improv by Goldblum. Oh, Goldblum, everybody improvs. And that's because they're so comfortable with each other. Now, here's the other major player. She launders the money. Yeah, she's on the outside profiting from the spine. Mm -hmm. That is Victoria Dillard. And to be honest, I have not seen her in any other film. I'm, she I'm was in own, a lot but... of 90s films. Okay. You know, he's got a big fucking mouth. Yeah, he does. I wouldn't trust nobody with that level of information. Mm-hmm. The laundry mats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, here's where you get a good look at the shit face, as I call it. <laughs> you know. And what what kind of metaphor is this? He's wearing a mask. A mask. Are you kidding? Yeah, he's wearing a mask. Over a mask, over a mask. Think about yeah. that for a second. Yeah, that pays off. And Carl is right, it does come out to be that, you know. Eddie, too. Right in his balls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Look at these racist terms that he's using here. Oh, I know. And and let's not forget that, that, that Goldblum is playing Jewish here, too. Don't forget that. Yeah. Listen to the African music. Mm-hmm. Playing. Oh. <laughs> Male body. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. We gotta go. <laughs> I love it. You know, he has that shit eating. You know, like he's in a fucking sewer. Wild, wild west, motherfucker. And, and you that notice cut there hasn't Yeah, there hasn't, there isn't almost no, no wipes, no fades. There's almost none well, of that. Well, that was a wipe, but it was a wipe with a person crossing. Yeah, an invisible fat wipe. I'm yeah. talking about no obvious like you would usually see. Yeah. Here's another one. Yep. But that wasn't a wipe. Yeah, someone's walking in front of them like that, and it blocks our view of them for a second. See? Mm-hmm. And we're still in the Jeff Goldblum's a pussy phase. Mm-hmm. And I want people to know those that mistook this are an action film that there really isn't no action film music in this movie. Be honest, 
I don't even consider this an action film. This is this is a film noir drama. Yeah, this is film noir. I mean, look at that. Yeah, I mean, and they put us in hip-hop, and I'm sorry, most of this soundtrack is New Jack. Yeah. I hated those silk shirts like that back in the 90s. Yeah. It would make you, Carl, look like you've been run through a rainstorm on a 90-degree day. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. See, the thing about this is if you get in this, like, there are consequences. Yeah, there's no, I mean, nothing. going to be consequences. Yeah, nothing is free. You all, this, you, that's another thing they didn't like about this movie. There's none of that cowboy wild, wild west motherfucker shit like uh, Homeboy was saying. This. And I think that was Bill Duke, too, walking out of the bathroom. Yep. And look how black it is. You know, there's so many dark colors in this. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the second stop down the down the rabbit hole for uh, John. Absolutely. <laughs> he is even he is so great right here, you know. Yeah, this is James Morris, by the way. Yeah. This is James Morris. One of his I think his only film role to be honest. I'm not sure about that though. And that line gets reiterated later in the film too. Mm-hmm. You in a coma? Look at the look on his face. He's not dying yeah. tough. And now we're in full, full-on film noir territory. Shadows, darkness. You know. Mm-hmm. There's your second kill. Yeah. E. That was Glenn Terman's actual wife and actual pictures of him from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, he did get his start in the 70s with car wash. Yep. Yes, the 
Oh, I hate this. I hate the way he is in this thing. Uh. It's like the devil on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. What is it like? Get ready. I'm God, remember? Remember? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. He's living vicariously through him. Thankers in Congress will love that. Make us look efficient. Like shit. (laughs) <laughs> oh God This is one of the most Bullshit speeches to come out Of the 80s Yeah Until the point that The people that were Born As they called them Crack babies and turned out normal Sued the government For defamation of character and one. Did you think that those it goes to school, but it can't learn it. It. That's important. Yeah, it. It's not treated like it's not. You notice they never had a name, a face, a poster child. Mm-hmm. Your people. With the help of the CIA. This would have made a good feature if they got the uncut script of Air America made, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, the dark music's back again. You notice from here on, there's not a scene that takes place during the daylight until the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's my mask. I'm a nocturnal creature. Good night. Laundry. Hey, 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 keep your eyes off of Moody there, buddy. He has a look on his face. And he, his always, he has a look on his face the whole fucking movie. Yeah, but no, he loses it towards the end as yeah. uh, as uh, uh, Iceberg Slim calls no, we, it the not, tiger's don't say, scowl. Don't say. 
Yeah. What? Don't say it. Don't give it away. Uh, you know, the tiger scowl. Mm-hmm. And what that means is he stopped being prey, and he is now... He's now the tiger himself. Yeah. And plus, he uses some pimpology on her. I know you can't stop mm-hmm. thinking about me, baby. You know you want me, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me. Go, we gotta go. God damn it, we gotta go. The thing I like about this is the way that this is shot. It is it, sensual, but not overt. In a lot of black exploitation films in the seventies, you know, the tits were out. Okay, Carl, now that we're on a scene where we can day this story of the main, the third member, uh, the second member who is really behind the creation of this, Michael Tolkien. Okay, so Michael Tolkien, uh, very interesting uh, writer, uh, best known uh, for um, The Player, which is Robert Altman's film. But uh, before that, he did a film called Gleaming the Cube. Uh, and what he does is he, he gives you expectations and then he just literally uh, uh, um, subverts them. And, and uh, this film is a perfect, perfect uh, example of that. Um, and he was born in New York City. Uh, Jewish, uh, Romanian Jewish family, um, graduated college and started writing. And um, um, best known for Gleaming the Cube, The Rapture, was a very interesting uh, religious film. The Player won won the BAFTA Award for Best Adapted Screenplay uh, and Deep Cover. Which, of course, and then after that, he did uh, Deep Impact, Changing Lanes, and then he wrote the script to the musical Nine, which is interesting. Also did a lot of uncredited films, including The Punisher. Yeah. Um, And, uh, And this may be the most brutal freaking scene in the whole movie. Oh, God, yes. He sees his... He sees him now as the word that you don't want to become to guys like Felix Barboza. Mm Mm-hmm. What word is that, Carl? Um, the boss. Competition. Yeah, yeah. You see, they're competition now. You don't 
stay on top by letting someone be competition. And look at Slastic's face. He knows what's going down. Now, this other guy that never speaks, you know, who the heck is he? I've I never really uh, figured that out. He knows what's going down. Oh, yeah, he does. There's no doubt. This may be one of the most macho games ever created that I never under-fucking-stood. My dad used to do this shit to me, okay? I just want you to know that. Did he do it to your face? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, well, so yeah. he wasn't... Bo- oh, well, if I could go back in time, I'd thank him for a couple of slaps, but the rest I'd say don't do it. <laughs> But, yeah, this is it. You know, you do it right there, and if you move your hands out too fast, whap, you got to take it. Mm-hmm. Oh. No, we didn't do the slap, but it was the hand. Never did the slap. That was the backhand. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, Lassick just summed that up for us. Yeah, he did. Ooh, that hurts. And Lassick does, you know, let's talk about Lassick for a second, because we haven't really talked about him. He's been in the background, and yet... He's still there. I want people to understand that. With all this violence going around and all this macho shit, he's still there. Very important. And he's the only one, the only character out of all of these guys that is uniformly trusted by everybody. Mm-hmm. See? He knows how he's going to kill him. And this sums up the problem with the guy. This is what he said. This was the guy's mantra when he hung around him, Tolkien. Mm-hmm. He said this was the guy's mantra. You don't respect me. No. This. I want my cake and eat it too. Yeah. Just satisfied with most of us would love to have what he has. You don't think I would love just to be, you know, somewhat successful and and, and, uh, have a wonderful wife? I always wanted that. It's. Yeah, and here's not. Look at Lassie's faces once he sees what they're doing. Yeah. 
<laughs> Go for it. See, did you see the look on his face? Yep. So they can get the suburbs of Republican. Yeah, that's what, you know, really that's what it's all about is how looking good. And that, of course, brings in into Charles Martin Smith. Bullshit. That's a big question I have. Why did he not step on this? He's God. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he why couldn't he use his godlike powers? Because it's not politically convenient to him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole point. And here comes the scene that I that I use to get Central Cinema to show deep cover. Mm-hmm. I forget what movie it was. I think it was Triple Threat, and I walked out, and he, it was in between Triple Threat and uh, Drag Cross Concrete. I'm like, man, have you ever seen Deep Cover? He's like, what's that? And so I looked up, don't fuck with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and his eyes were like boing by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. That's how much I promoted this film. I got a repertory showing that about only 10 people showed up at. I got the ball rolling, but man. Uh-oh. Oh, how quiet it is before the storm, as they say. There's not even the entry on Wikipedia for David Wexelbaum. No. It just says David Wexelbaum is Chino. (laughs) 
And th- from this on is the bit that I got the I got the guy to really just go, wow, I got to see this movie over. And we don't mention this in one of the, in the greatest car chases, but if we included the 90s, this would definitely be in there. Right, Carl? Yep. But again, he doesn't really, really show this as a, a, a uh, car chase. Chasing. It's all about what's yeah. going inside the car. Right? Open the fucking door. God, Goldboom is just so magnificent in this scene. Felix the Rat. Felix the Rat. Oh, see, he got his payback from him hitting him in the hand. Yeah. Yeah, everybody will die. See, even Felix ain't breaking. Yeah. How's a pill? Felix, you shot me in the motherfucking hands, dumbass. How do you think it feels? Uh, this scene is just so tense. Get the fuck out. I love... Here's one of Carl's favorite lines. Ooh, see, not even pretty when he dies. You jumbo shrimp, motherfucker. (laughs) Then we'll have barbecue jumbo shrimp. Fuck It wasn't about the car chase. It wasn't about the car. It was going on inside the car chase. That's why that's yeah. not a car chase. But I just love the way he drugged that R. In this right here. Oh, yeah. He's got that rush, that first taste rush. Mm-hmm. Now who's be who, who's the only one that, who's being naive in this car? Her him. She's the smart one in this scene. Mhm. You gotta know when you got you gotta gotta know when to quit. You gotta when know fold. when to fold. Yeah, when to lead the table. Yeah, let's say you walk in with a five dollar stake and then all of a sudden you up three hundred, it might be in your best interest to leave the fucking table. 
Right, Carl? Mm-hmm. Problem is, is most players think, well, since I won 300, I'm going to win more. Uh-uh. Look at him. He has no soul now. <laughs> yeah, she's on your fucking head, Carl. And you know which way I mean that. Nope. This is the real him right here. He ain't got no mask on right here. No. That lost and confused little boy who had his daddy killed in front of him when he was nigh eight years old. Mm-hmm. And she's really good in this, too. You know? Yeah. And this is the thing about this movie. These emotions are real. At least they seem real. And and because of that, you're invested. And that's why... There's no artifice there. Uh, no artifice The reviewers were screwy with this film because they didn't understand that the feelings and emotions are real. You wanted to talk a little bit about the... Reviews on this, Carl? Yeah, I did. Oh, wait. Actually. Before we did, look, he's lying to her now. He's got his mask back on. Right? No, no, no. He no, he. Yeah, he said his father died of a heart attack when he was 10. Well, right. That's right. Okay, now go, Carl. Okay, so. Uh, basically, the the reception was was favorable. Ebert gave it three and a half stars out of four. Janet Maslin uh, uh, really liked quietly commanding Larry Fishburne and the right Jeff Goldblum makes an interestingly offbeat team, and and that and people um, did enjoy it. There were some critics that didn't like it. One particular one in the Washington Post said. Fishburne broke through to the big time in Boys in the Hood. Here, his acting career takes a step backwards. Despite this, he said that, oddly enough, Goldblum's so wildly out of place in this misbegotten movie, he becomes its greatest asset. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This ain't misbegotten by any shot. And he's right. Goldblum, this is one of two Goldblum films or he's just phenomenal. This one and, of course, Cronenberg's uh, The Fly. To me, this is one of Fishburne's best also. And, and and it was a choice of him being so stoic in this film. And boom, there's the band himself. The one mm-hmm. they're going to, Anton Gallegos, and he is good too. Even though he only mm-hmm. has like one or two scenes, he's good. Mm-hmm. Oh! Muzzle. Yeah, Look at him. He's looking at huh? his hands. 
Mm-hmm. And here's the part: if you don't want to be, if you didn't want to beat up him before, you're just going to want to beat him with. You just want to beat him with a ball bat after this scene. This mm-hmm. is Charles Martin Smith at his scummiest. <laughs> Why did he not tell him at the first that Gallegos was a fucking police informant? I mean, uh, Barboza. The new Noriega. Very important. I Think of it as at the time. Take it. We like him now. That's politics for you. Mm-hmm. Do you believe they lied to him? Bullshit. And, and actually, he's right about that. That's all there is. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Doug Dealer. Uh, pretend to be a cop. And there's the whole payoff for the bass motif. Mm-hmm. I could. <laughs> and this iceberg swim line. Mm-hmm. After this. Not I was a fool. Here we go. Well, two dollar hole. Views. No towel. No towel. Yes. <laughs> God damn. It always like, breaks my heart to see this scene. Yeah. And I love the sound they use for the switchblade. Yep. I'm so glad I never got into that shit. Seriously. 
never will. He's punishing himself. That's why he's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a song to speed. When I first saw this, I didn't get the Iceberg Slim connection. It was only after you and I talked about this film. And I, I gave it, and you I, that track that we played at the first. That, did and you then, notice and that I played every line? Too. Did I use every line used in this movie, in that bit? At the first of I played, and it was all improvised by Fishburne. Mm-hmm. That he says, but I don't believe that. This it was so planned and perfect that you know. Mm-hmm. And look, what's this guy doing, uh, Gallego? Watching a movie. And what movie is he watching, Carl? I haven't caught it yet. Bundell's Diary of a Chambermaid. Oh, nice. You notice now Goldblum is wearing all black, yep. but he's not in the full black duster trench coat. Yeah. I never understood that. I got you twice. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I never understood. Okay, mm-hmm. there was the only wipe in the movie, but it wasn't a normal wipe. Hey, oh, Carl, that our band? As the undercover cop, and he got him once there. I've been podcasting for so long, people, that van is ha- is uh, just all the payments I've made through the years to blog talk. Mm-hmm. And I never understood why they do that in movies. Mm-hmm. They find this neatly boxed piece of money... But they take it out and just let some of the shit drop on the floor. 
Don't they ever think about the time it's going to take to pick up the motherfucking ship, pack it back no. in the box, seal up the box again. <laughs> or... You know, this, even though he's badass, Fishburne really takes charge in this scene. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he's owning uh, uh, Goldblum, and Goldblum thinks he's got it. Yeah, only time he has it is when he's dealing with the finance bullshit part. He's a salesman, not a drug mm-hmm. dealer. And here comes Carl's favorite scene in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Another film noir angle. Mm-hmm. By the way, we haven't said enough, but this this transfer is just absolutely fucking gorgeous. How pretty she was. That to be one of the most darkest noir lines ever. Yeah. I didn't want to look at her. But I couldn't no, get up without I mean, that. yeah, but still. I know. I know this one. I line. never yeah. knew how pretty she was. And look what he's doing. Mm hmm. And he's giving the shit look to himself. Mm hmm. In case you're wondering how did the ending go down the way it does, it's explained here in a couple of seconds. This is the most bullshit line ever. And he exposes that line for mm-hmm. the bullshit that it is late later in and the ending. I love it. See, he's seduced by the business. You know, the interesting thing about this is, 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 yeah. And this is the only iceberg slim bit that comes out of the blue in the whole film.
Mm-hmm. He's right too. Yeah. You do. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. A growl. Bend. Can he bend? I wonder if right there leads up to one of my biggest questions about the movie. And Does I asked he know the first that he's time. Cop? Yeah, did he just tell him that he knows? Mm-hmm. Like he said, you and me are one. Don't forget who you are. Yeah. He knows he really does have a conscience, an angel, and a devil on his shoulder. Oh, absolutely. The devil is child. And you know what? That, that's very common in Tolkien's writing. Okay? Take a look at the rapture. Yeah. Take a look at Gleaming the Cube. You've got those two characters trying to manipulate, or if not manipulate, try to influence. Right? What the yeah, major character is like going this, this is about... This and the rapture are both about addictive personalities who go to different extremes. Only mm-hmm. difference is one wakes up, the other doesn't. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, now that it's really redone and shown the way it is, the amount of blacks in this scene, you know. Uh, oh, it, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Do you think people's opinion of it would have changed if they got to see a print this fucking gorgeous back then? Well, you know, the thing about it is when it first came out, I'm sure the print was good. Maybe not this clear. Yeah. But, you know, when it's first out in the movie, it's the best print that you can bring out there, so... By the time you get the DVD, everything is, is um, um, you know, devolved, unfortunately. Yeah, and like I said, that was, and that girl said it the best when about the problem with the fans is uh, they were expecting another tale, uh, Boys in the Hood, hood-type movie. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get that. They got an old-school Darkest fuck film noir like his other film, Mr. Hines. Uh, Rage in Harlem. Do you notice that unlike the DVD, uh, He's almost swallowed by the dark right there, Clarence. Mm-hmm. Yep. They over-brightened it on DVD. No, they did. 
And here's the speech that tells the truth of it. Rich people, poor people. And this is a lesson that people have forgotten. That there really is only two people in or in America anymore. In the world. Yeah. Rich and poor. Rich and poor people. And the rich people There's not even don't, the middle class anymore. Yeah. And the rich people don't want to make give up their money to the poor people. But mm-hmm. they will give you the dream of making you rich. But really all you're doing is making them richer. You notice how when the money starts lowering, it tilts like in a film noir angle? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. It's a word that means Carl. (laughs) And I love him. You've seen him in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. And this is his only scene in the movie, and he's so good right here. Everybody brings their A-plus game. El banco. <laughs> you know why he isn't worried? Mm-hmm. Because he knows he's going to get his money one way or another. Yeah, exactly. By the name, uh, that is Rene Assad. Yeah. By the way, it's the actor's name. Rennie. You know how I know that pronunciation? Mm-hmm. How? I don't know. Mi padre es un nene. You understand what I just said, Carl? Mm-hmm. No. Mi padre es un nene. Well, el nombre es un nene. Mi padre es un nombre es Rene. In short, my father's name is Rene, Rene. Mm-hmm. By the grace of God, uh, my mom wanted to name me Rene, too. I'd hate to see the amount of shit you'd give me over that. <laughs> I keep calling you, uh, uh, what's that liqueur, Remy, uh, Remy Martin. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. My heart mm. dropped when uh, Clarence gets shot. Right. And we're coming up to a line that goes back to a line before he kills uh, that pimp, that other guy when he says, are you in a coma, motherfucker? But this one just blatantly puts it to the point, right? And here's another one of... Uh, uh, We got five hundred million and no more. Uh, speech. Well, look at his ears. They he yeah. his he did his hair like that on purpose so that his ears would look like the devil. Yeah. Was you surprised when he said that, Carl? No, not at all. I don't give a fuck that you're a cop getting a van. No, they have. It... Go ahead. Oh, oh, I love, I love the way he says this. Oh, you should have done that, David. Man. It runs through the Incredible Hulk in a way, don't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, right God, up that here look on is... Clarence's face. That's... Yeah. Wake up, like wake I... up. Yeah. And look at the look when it get, comes back on his face. Yep. Oh, we forgot to point it out, but he's lost. He when he became a drug dealer, he lost that look, and mm-hmm. now he has it back. Back to an attorney. And I love how the shootout is not Leone-esque part to it, you know. I mean, what kind of shootout do you expect at the end of a noir or something like that? Something like a Leone-ass But what do we get? Bang, bang. And, mm-hmm. and I love Goldboom's last line. Yeah. We were almost there. And look at this look like, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Another fade. Another wipe. Yeah, another and wipe. And this, this is a beautiful scene. 
this proof, this scene right here in the next two minutes proves who's the chess master and who's just fucking around with the board. Yep. He thinks that he's got him in a checkmate. If you didn't know this, when Clarence Williams III was calling in the limo number, you wouldn't have known how they got her. Right there, you didn't think about it when they he first said that, did he? Did you? Nope. And we forgot about him. Gopher. (laughs) And here's the payback for all the times in the movie where it showed him carrying around the camera. What is it you say during a chess game during this part, Carl? <laughs> Check it, it, and... It, and mate. And here comes his payback. No one gets away with what they did. Mm hmm. Beautiful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love what his lawyer did. Yeah. Linda Chacon, nineteen sixty six to nineteen ninety one. Now this. You know what this reminds me of a little bit? What? Gloria. Think yeah. about it. 
He's taking them under his wing. Well, they was close before the first time they met. Yeah, I know, I know. But, but, you know, the whole thing with Gloria and the Cassavetes film. No, where it comes where from. she takes a little boy hey, under her wait, wing. Cut, cut off. There's the, there's the comment to that line, you know, money don't know where it comes from. You see, the money doesn't know where it comes from. But I do. It's worse. And I love there's no pat answer to that. Mm-hmm. And it keeps on getting deeper. Here's the scary question that probably a lot of people didn't want to answer. Right, Carl? Yeah, what would you do? Yeah, what would you do? And how do you love that Bill Duke and Tolkien decided to end, leave it in your face? Yep. What would you do? Hey, if you didn't realize it, that last shot of the of the statue, uh-huh. it's got pigeon shit all over it. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> what are you trying to say it means? Well, you know, just like like you know, life is shit. You get shit all over your place. It's a it's a great film. It's just a great film. And there's Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. And this was his first song. Yep. My cousin Anson, who I go to the the KHF with, he didn't even know that. He's like, he had the single. I'm like, he's like, yeah, that's Snoozer's song. I'm like, do you know where that's from? <laughs> and he's like, no. And I'm like, Come with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you and I are sort of the same way. But I do that with people, too. And I don't run with the flag for this anymore, but I will wave it forever and tell people that they should watch this. Oh, absolutely. Because this should be a noir classic. The early 90s noirs, or basically the 90s noir period, where a lot of the noir fans have been snobbish toward them. And you Mm -hmm. would have great titles like uh, No Fault, One False Move, uh, Mm -hmm. Good Night, My Sweet. There's a Good Night, My Lovely. Um, It's Good Night, My Sweet, I think. Yeah, Good Night, My Sweet. Uh, the one that uh, Stephen Frears did, The Grifters. Mm-hmm. It just uh, now, now the last seduction in that, that's late 80s, right? No, that's 90s. That that's 90s, okay. John you know Dole stuff, too. Because we had been Reagan ass to death and realized that the rich is going to screw us in the butt, and we were pissed mm-hmm. off. And what comes out of that anger? Dark film. Cynicism. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, you know, it's funny because we talk about this, the 70s noirs and the 90s noirs. And, and, and the 70s noirs are more depressing. The 90s 
noirs are more are more mean and dark. What? You would agree with that, right, Stephen? Stephen? Yeah, but I agree with you. The nineties are the more cynical. That's why the seventies couldn't do. Uh, who's the writer that has in common with uh, the grifters, the worlds, uh, uh, the fireworks, oh, um, the world, and everything? Uh, Good night, my sweet. Uh, Kim Thompson. Yeah, Jim Thompson. The seventies couldn't handle Jim Thompson. They they tried. It didn't work, except for the lead actor. Yeah, and it's sad that they couldn't really get pimp done, but Carl said this once, and I realize it's true. This is as close as we're going to get to an adaption of Iceberg Slim's Pimp. Yeah, I agree. And the only other adaption of Iceberg Slim's work is another great freaking movie. And that would be yep. Trick Baby. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's it, funny. You talk about Iceberg Slim, and, and uh, Trick Baby is a good film, too. And, of course, that's Larry used to also did Home Buddies, and we did a commentary watch on Home Buddies. But Dick Gregory had a novel out. And I'm saying the name of the novel, okay? I'm not going to say the N-word. No, don't do it because we talked about that type novel before because of the people who wanted it banned because the person who wrote it was a racist. Well, yeah, just tell me about it. But Tell them what what Dick Gregory was black, folks. (laughs) So, So Dick Gregory was a comedian and was the first black comedian really to, to cross the color line. And he worked with uh, uh, U. Hefner at Playboy Clubs and so on and so forth. But he also was very political. And he wrote this book uh, called Nigger. And, and the reason I mention it is that there's, there's never been an adapt, adaption of that, but there is one speech in a movie called The President's Analyst, and you know exactly what speech I'm talking about. Yeah. The Gothic Cambridge Desert comes directly from that book. And so, there so was I, another black exploitation film as mean and cynical as Dick Gregory's Nicker and Iceberg Slim's Trick Baby. And guess what happened when it came out, Carl? <gasps> it died? It got banned. Oh, without a doubt. I wonder what that one is. Would that have yeah. something to do with a spook? Yeah, the spook who stepped by the door. Of all the things yeah. that you can say, the one thing that people don't want you to say is <laughs> the truth. No. And I think that's no. the reason why Deep Cover wasn't liked when it first came out is that it was too truthful for the public's own good. It, it certainly subverted tropes. And, and, and by that, I mean, you go into that movie expecting one thing and, and you don't get it. And you get something completely different that just shakes your world. And, and, and the reality is that movie that we just watched, Deep Cover, is, is look at what that 
milieu does to you, what it did to the character, and how screwed up we are. And like and we uh, look at them. they say in the movie, it just keeps getting worse. Mm-hmm. You know that there is no happy ending because it's not. No matter what he does, it's going to keep getting worse. Well, you know the thing is, there is no ending. Think about it. There's no ending to that. There's more story to that, and and we don't know it. And and we have to we have to make up that story. And let me tell you something. From what's previous, what we just saw, it ain't happy. He doesn't yeah. live a happy life. Doesn't happen. Well, you got to remember who else told that ending, and how angry it got the B.I. and a lot of the pro-communists and the anti-communists. Mm-hmm. And that would be the steel helmet, and he even yep. blatantly put that on the screen. There is no, no end. end. Because yeah. even if you get done with it, you still got to live with it. You still got to live with what you have done, what you have seen. You know, you know, it, it hasn't really uh, appeared to me, but it just did. You know, your your love of Sam Fuller, and Sam Fuller was was cynical as all hell, but he also was humanistic. He, uh, you know, and, and, and there's that tension between those two things. And yeah, don't here. you uh, remember in the rifle, the camera, and the typewriter? They said, yep. oh, yeah. Sam, are you Democrat? No. What do you consider Democrat? Enemy of mankind. What do you consider, you know, that? And he said, what are you? And he said, humanist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so when you look at it from a humanist viewpoint, when you, you take all of the negatives and, and positives and put them side by side and, and understand where those characters go, you start to understand their motivations. It's not spelled out for you. You have to, con- you have to consider it as an audience, as a reader, and as, uh, you know, even a musician, you know, if you're listening to lyrics, you have to put yourself in that position. And that makes you more empathetic. And most of us don't want to be empathetic these days. Um, yeah. It's a great thing. We devolved in too much us versus them. Absolutely. Without putting ourselves in that position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. It's it's a brilliant film, and, and thank you very much, Stephen, for for having me on for this. Well, I'm you glad we did it. We added so much more to it, and our older butts have done it better than our younger butts did. Yep, agreed. Yeah, but and my, now my, never mind. <laughs> for the pimping part of the show, what do you have to pimp over at the D? DL. The What's well, on the DL? Well, I will say this. Go to our Facebook page, and you can check out our, our – uh, uh, we're doing a um, contest along with ice creams 
and basically it is a um, um, it is a uh, for Babylon Five uh, the way home, and it is an animated film. We're giving away copies of that, and all you have to do is write a title of a Babylon Five movie, and then give us like a two or three sentence uh, uh, thing like you find in the TV guide or on Netflix, and then uh, uh, we get to pick. And uh, Vicky and I are going to be the the uh, judges on the Deviant Legion side, and and Steve Marshall otherwise known as Lance Marshall, uh, and uh, I can't forget the other gentleman on, on his side. We're going to do it on ice streams, and you can uh, put in your uh, and... uh, application. And also, just one other thing, on Monday, this coming Monday, I'll be doing an interview with Trevor Younger, and uh, he is a micro-budget filmmaker out of uh, St. Louis, and he's got a movie out on Tubi called the Man in Room 6, which I have just watched, and it's very good. So I'm looking forward and to that. And if you are going to enter it, put in Shut Up, Carl, at the end of it, <laughs> and I'll be eternally grateful. <laughs> and, and you know what? If you do that, you know, you might get an extra point and, and get a free copy. Who knows? We'll do that so for that's you, me, Stephen, That's okay? one of me and well, no, that's one of me and Vicky's favorite phases. <laughs> True. Stop, Carl. Or, or actually, actually, Joe Pilato. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fuck you, Carl. <laughs> and what we got going on here next week is a surprise. Because I don't know when it's going to come out because it's going to take a lot of work to get it done. But it's going to be good. Shall we at least give them a, a preview of who the filmmaker is and what two, you know, that it's one or two films or maybe three? Uh, no, we're not going to say that. We're just, and it's going to be by uh, Carl's favorite director, the director of Hell of the Living Dead, uh, um. What is it? Bruno Matai. Yep. And yep. we liked, I like to dedicate this show to, did you ever listen to the commentary? This is for the people, too, that we did on Cannibal Holocaust where we didn't go geek on it. And uh, Fred and Gore Freak was... Uh, Serious as a heart attack on it and really dissected it for what it was rather than just getting into the violence. No, I've never listened to that because you know what I think of Campbell Holocaust. But go ahead. Who was it? Well, Gore Freak. And he's in the hospital right now with some serious issues. So all of the KSDAD love goes to him on this night and his... uh, Special other. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And rest in peace to the Funker himself. Terry Funk died today, finally. The person that you thought would go to death and say, Fuck you, jackass. <laughs> and Carl knows Terry Funk. Oh, yeah. Anyone who watched wrestling from like the 50s to now knows who the Funker is. Mm-hmm. And with that, good night. So long. Thanks for being there. We'll see you next week. 
And look up Iceberg Slim's Revelations, the full album. You won't regret it. Or Absolutely. read his book. Listen, thank, thank you very much, Stephen, for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Okay. But good night, everybody. Good night. Da, 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 da. Good night, sweetheart. It's time to go. Da, 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 da. Good night, sweetheart. It's time to go. Da, 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 da. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Da, 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 da. Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go home. Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go home. I hate to leave you, I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart, good night. Well, it's three o'clock in the morning. Baby, I just can't get right Well, I hate to leave you, babe Don't mean maybe Because I love you so Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time Oh, good night, sweetheart, good night.